0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Today, we're going to look at one of the most important aspects of the Christian life that every follower of Jesus needs to know deep down in their soul, which is, true faith does not remove all difficulties from life. Many committed followers of Jesus Christ have found that faith brings more problems into their lives. Suffering does not necessarily mean you lacked faith. It may mean that God wants the world to see the power of Christ resting upon you. It could mean God wants you to experience His grace in a new and powerful and unique way. Here's Pastor Jim in part two of his message, Faith for the Future.
1: Picking up at verse 32, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also David and Samuel and the prophets. So what's he doing? He's rehashing some of the great old, the saints of the Old Testament, who through faith subdued kingdoms. You're like, now we're talking, now we're talking. Worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. There's our boy Daniel. We haven't gotten to that chapter yet. Quench the violence of fire. Hey, there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Became valiant in battle. Turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Woman received their dead. Raised to life again. That sounds great, doesn't it? You're like, that's the faith I'm signing up for, baby. But now look at others who made it to the hall of faith. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had the trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented let's just stop there for a second let's imagine that you're in heaven and they tell you uh, go in that room over there and somebody makes a little mistake you're like there's no mistakes in heaven we're just imagining and you end up in the room with that second group of people and you're like walking in there and they're like "Uh, so what happened to you and you're like they made me wear a mask What happened to you? Oh, they cut my head off. <laughs> I'm getting away from this guy. Woke up to somebody else. Tell me what else happened in your life that was so hard. They made me social distance. Me too. Really, tell me what happened. They cut me in two and put me across the sea side of the room. <laughs> the culture it was so hard it was so hard they told me i had to i had to say it this way what about you oh yeah they hunted me down found me in a cave and, and slain me they killed me really you're like i'm not so sure i'm in the right room and then you're like oh is that peter james and john i'm going to them for some comfort My candidate didn't win for president. And they would be like, Really? Our king died on a cross and we abandoned him. You see, these people who underwent these horrible things, do you see any indication in the book of Hebrews that the problem is with their faith? You you think, Oh, poor them. Look at verse 38. They were destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Do we keep going? Of whom the world was not worthy. Can you believe that? That does not fit American Christianity, does it? God says... Some of these people had all the great stuff happen to them. And some of them literally got their head handed to them. They were tortured. Anything bad you could imagine happened to them. And we're going, oh, poor them. And God says, you know what? That dump called earth wasn't worthy of them. And we complain. And we complain. Can't believe what we've had to endure in this country Is that faith? Is that really faith? I mean, we're going to meet those people. And then, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be very intimidated if there's such a thing in heaven. I'm going to be like, whoa. And see, they didn't give up following God when all that stuff happened. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us. Now, it's interesting, he's not really specific, the author of Hebrews, what is provided for us. Maybe to get our mind onto the key question, are we included in us? Are we part of us? I'm fine with the surprise of what we get. He said that they should not be made perfect apart from us. See, we're part of them and they're part of us. We're all part of God's family that serves the kingdom together. We're in it with them. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul is talking about all his troubles. Arrested, beaten, shipwrecked. And then at the end, he says, but most of all, you know what bothers me most of all? The burden I have for the churches. What? What? Is that the importance we put upon the church? You know, historically, historically, the church has meant a lot more than it has to contemporary Christian culture in America. And unfortunately, we're exporting it because it means a lot more in the rest of the world than it does. In the church, it's about me and my relationship about Jesus Christ. Oh, barf. <laughs> really? That is important. But it's about a people. Now, I'm the pastor of a church. Have you noticed? And, and so I'm privy to a lot of problems in people's lives. But to me, the church is like that kid that you can never give up on. You know what that's like? Do you, you ever see a, somebody you just couldn't give up on? Because I see the potential of when God's people come together. Now, he had all those problems. And God doesn't say to him, well, your problem is you didn't have enough faith. God doesn't say that. Then we move into chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. He says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations about all that God had been showing him and writing and the teaching. I mean, he was the man. Remember, we've said before that if if you went to a secular university and you said, who is the the most important person in the spread of Christianity to the world, most professors would tell you it actually wasn't Jesus Christ. It was the Apostle Paul because that dude lit up the Roman Empire, Saul of Tarsus, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he says, "'Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure.'" Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So he's got something wrong with him. He says to the Lord, pleading with him, please take this thing from me. Some of you know exactly what that's like. I know I do. And he said to me, and if you have a red letter Bible, most of these is, they put, it in, put this in red, Jesus talking to him. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness, So he says to Paul, Paul, I know this is your reality. And I know this seems to make it harder for you. But basically, I'm going to accomplish two things at this thorn in the flesh. I'm going to help you know me more deeply through it. Because you're going to have to really trust and depend upon me to get through life. And then he's going to go on to say what else is going to happen. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities, some versions say weaknesses, that the power of Christ rest upon me. That's the second thing. Paul, you're going to know me more deeply, but... You're going to experience my power in a profound way and people will look at you and say, that has to be God. No dude could do that. Nobody could do that. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because of the power of Christ. You see, all of these people were just regular people. They were just regular people. But they understood that faith does not remove the difficulties from life. In fact, now they know that a lot of the difficulties of their life were really opportunities Why? Well, here for the Apostle Paul, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He understood, he came, was coming to the understanding that God's sustaining grace was what kept him going. That that built him up on the inside, that made him stronger, that made him so resilient to so many of the things in life. I mean, they stone the guy, they they drag him out of town, they think he's dead. He gets up. He's like, "Oh, woo, woo! Let's go back into town." You can just imagine the guys with him, like, "What are you nuts?" And somebody else going, "That's the power of Christ on that dude, man! Mm-hmm. Going to run with him? You're going to run." You see, a number of you in our congregation, watching us online, are sick. You are that does not necessarily mean you are faithless. In fact, often it means the exact opposite. It could very well mean so that the power of Christ rests upon you, which is something that others will see. See, a lot of times when you talk to people and they're like, I don't really want to hear what that guy has to say. But when they see you living under great, Trauma and difficulty and stress and heartache and, and, and the ups and downs of life. When they see Christ upon you, it speaks volumes to them. I would imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed for deliverance. But I would imagine they also prayed for obedience As we said at the beginning, as God promises his grace to situations that he puts us in or he allows us in. So you're in a situation right now, you say, God, I need your grace. I need your sustaining grace because right now there's nothing left of me. And God's going to be like, great, now we can get to work. Now we can get started. We may think we know what God's going to do next, but we really don't. And that's not the same as confidently asking him what he's going to do next. I've said this before. There's a lecture on the internet by a very famous pastor in New York City. Um, I was at the church at the beginning named Tim Keller. And, and Tim Keller said when he came to New York City in the late 80s, uh, he realized by talking to other pastors that he was in the, in the midst of a revival, other pastors going oh we have these particular men young men like drugs alcohol just all kinds of stuff just 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 coming to christ and everything is gone i mean they're just completely different people you know i don't know if god's going to do that again but i was one of those guys And I don't know what God's gonna do, but I will not stop ever, ever stop praying that He will do it again. Because let me tell you, when you see that, it's amazing. A couple years ago, I saw one of the guys, he worked at He works at the church where, one of the churches where it was happening, and and I saw him. He used to be a collection man for the mafia. He owed money. He was the guy who came and saw you. And We just looked at each other and we're like, man, those days. And so happy that each one of us are still following the Lord. Notice these three men did not assume or presume God would save them from the fiery furnace. I remember when coronavirus broke out. Uh, people kept texting me this one verse that we should just not be afraid of anything. Just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Just keep going on churches, normal. And um, they kept emailing me sermons. Uh, They're like, have you read Psalm 91? I'm like, dude, I taught through the entire book of Psalms verse by verse. Um, Maybe I didn't understand it, but at least I read Psalm 91 when I did it. In fact, we did during when the pandemic broke out, we did a special message on Psalm 91, verse 3. Uh, Psalm 91, but 91, 3 was the verse that everybody was sending to me. And it goes like this. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous, deadly pestilence. Now, that was a promise to a specific group of people. That's where you need to have a good hermeneutic, the art and science, a biblical term, uh, interpretation. But, okay, thanks for the verse. I'll remember that. I'll keep that in my back pocket. And a lot of people were hanging on that. And a lot of people were hanging on that and caught the virus and didn't understand why they caught the virus. Now, I don't mean to be a snob. But I do mean to say we need to be very, very careful. Because no one, absolutely no one, emailed me the following verse, following two verses, nor sent me any sermons on it because it would have been so unpopular to do a sermon on these verses. Numbers 14, 11 through 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, talking to, the Lord's talking to Moses about his own people, how long will these people reject me? Is it possible that God could say the same thing to the church in America? I'm not saying he is, but is it possible? Some versions say, how long will they despise me? How long will they, Another version says, how long will they treat me with contempt? And he says, and how long will they not believe me? Another version says, how long will they not believe in me with all or in spite of all the signs which I have performed among them. Now, if someone is born again, that is the greatest of all signs. Look at verse 12. No one texted me this verse. I will strike them with the pestilence. Wait a minute. Psalm 91 said he was going to he was going to protect them from the pestilence. Now he's going to and then earlier Moses said he was going to strike them different people, different time, different circumstances. I will strike them with the pestilence, some versions say plague, and disinherit them. And I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. I believe with all of my heart that with God all things are possible. I believe with all of my heart that greater things are coming. But the thought of one third of the people who once sat among us leaving the faith absolutely breaks my heart. And I hope that it breaks yours too. I hope and pray not only for them, but for all the churches in our area and the churches of the United States of America that people are not catching the pestilence and plague of unbelief. But by trusting God in the present, By doing the right thing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able to trust God with the future. They said, we can't worship. That's that's our faith in the present. We have faith of what happens if you throw us in that fiery furnace. By trusting God with reality. This is the reality they were facing. You're going to go into that furnace, man. That's the reality. Not with what they imagined in their head they became closer to the Lord and not more distant. Why? Because their faith was in God's greater purposes. And that's something that both comforts me and challenges me every single day of my life. I know that this, that each day, God is teaching me that great faith is in him Not in what I want, not in what I think is best, or not in the way I think things should turn out. And I hope and pray that their simple faith in God gives you confidence that the Lord is looking for simple faith and trust, because that will produce in you and in me. I want to be like these guys, man. I want to, when we get to Daniel, man, I want to be like, hey, go ahead, man. Throw me in the lion's den. Throw me in there, man. I'm so tough, they won't even be able to chew on me. I'll be like a teething toy to them. I want to be like those guys, to have a tough and resilient faith, a faith that is always willing to get out of my seat and get off the sidelines and get in the game, a faith that is ready for the future, Not so incredibly pessimistic, but honors God who says, I will save my people from their sins. Many might say their faith in verse 17 was our God is able to deliver us. But I think their real faith is in verse 18 when they say, but if not. That is simple faith and trust in the goodness of God and the eternal promises made to those who turn to him and put their trust in him. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is your future. God has already rescued you from the fiery furnace of hell because of the cross of Jesus Christ. If you leave here today, don't leave here at least without this. Getting in your car and saying, oh Lord, how good you have been to me. If you're not a follower of Jesus, to all who put their trust in Jesus, turn to God. Let's just say, listen, God, man, I've been ignoring you. I get it. I know it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with the fiery furnace of frustration. I'm done with with knowing I'm not following you. If you put your trust in Jesus, you don't only get the forgiveness of sins, But Jesus promised to send his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of you so he will always be with you, and God will adopt you, and you will go to heaven. You see, it's one thing to forgive someone, right? It's an entirely different thing to say, not only do I forgive you, but I want you to come live with me. And that's what God says to all who put their trust in him and his son. Speaking of the cross, the apostle Paul writes under the inspiration, these incredible words, Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. There's your cross. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see, these three men show us that even when things are not going well, we can rest in God's love and we can rest in God's goodness. God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. They knew him, as Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter's son. And God the Father has shown his great love, his tremendous love and his goodness by giving us his son, the Lord Jesus, to die on the cross in our place for our sins. The cross was horrific. But in God's great love, tragedy is turned to triumph as it changes the eternity of all who put their trust in the King who was crucified on the cross. That shows me that the Lord can take something in my life and in your life so horrible and turn it into good. He can take your faith today and turn it into faith for the future. And my prayer is, motivated by grace, all of us would get back to the Lord's business of taking the good news to the world, because with God, all things
0: are possible. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ, no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kebney, changedbyloveradio.org.